0: Hello, this is former Fox Sports Wisconsin anchor and proud fellow Wauwatosen, Jeff Grayson. From my position high in the booth, it appears conditions are good for this much-anticipated matchup. Let's go down to the studio. The action is about to start. It's season four of the Bait and
1: Switch podcast. Welcome back to the Bait and Switch podcast. My name is Chris Beyer, as always, with Jim Martin. Jim. Hello, everybody. So it's a cold day here today, right? Yeah. Uh, we're we're like, recording right around Valentine's Day.
2: Yeah, it's like nine yeah. degrees. I'm still checking on the coronavirus stuff. Are you? Uh, yeah, you know, a little bit. I mean, it's hard to, hard to avoid it, to be honest. It's in the news a lot. I keep
1: waiting for somebody to say that we can let our guard down. I just want to be a little less vigilant. I'm at like DEFCON 5 for like a year now. Yeah. I just want to be able to like, you know, lower the mask to below the nose on weekdays.
2: Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the virus kind of takes off the weekdays. It's usually pretty prominent through the weekends, right? Isn't that how it works?
1: I maybe saw this in the news that they say that animals can become infected.
2: Yeah. Tigers. I heard tigers were infected early on.
1: You know, yeah. Very early on, there was a tiger at the Bronx Zoo that got infected, right? Right. And people were saying, you know, how did this tiger get a test when nobody else could?
2: Well, that's, you know, that's my question. What, tigers have priority now?
1: Well, I'm thinking if I'm in line with the tiger, I'm letting them go forward. good point. That's
2: true. If the tiger asks to get by, I think I'll let him go. Yeah. yeah.
1: You know, I was at the zoo the other day, you know, speaking of tigers, mm-hmm. and apparently the word has not gotten out because uh, you look at the animals, no masks.
2: Yeah. Isn't that <laughs> ridiculous? And they're clearly, I mean, you see them wrestling with each other clearly within the six feet.
1: You know, I noticed that the antelope, they didn't have masks, uh, face masks on, but I think they got herd immunity. Tonight's guest, we've got the band The Mod Violets. And uh, this is the first time that I've had a family member on. You've had a family member on. You've had your I've wife. Had
2: a couple of and my wife and, and my kids, a whole family affair here for me. Yep. Yep.
1: Oh. Well, my brother yep. is in a band called The Mod Violets. His name is Brad Byer. He's on drums.
3: Hello, everybody.
1: We got Mark Lantine on guitars and vocals. Hello, everyone. And Mark. then we got Mike Hartwig on guitars and vocals. How you doing? And then we got Russ Grobchek on bass. Hello, Russ.
4: Hi, everybody. It's good to be here.
2: This is the most guests that we've had on our show ever, like at yeah. one time.
1: It's yeah. So here. So let's just start out with uh, the bon Violets. We're in Milwaukee here. Uh, obviously, it's during the quarantine uh, time here now, and so people really aren't getting out and playing. But the band is staying together, and I'm sure they're looking forward to getting out playing. Uh, Let's start with uh, Mark Lantin. Mark, uh, when do you guys see yourself playing live again?
5: I would hope either like April, May, June, we are booked for a festival that I shall not name at this time because they wanted to keep it quiet, the lineup. Um, Yeah, so hopefully that'll, that'll happen.
2: Have you guys been able to do anything at all during the pandemic? Like, uh, have you gotten together to, to have you been able to practice or anything or do anything in the studio or any, anything at all?
5: Yes, we've recorded some demos for our second album. Nice. Just within the last month, we've really been making progress in the way of uh, uh, putting some tracks down. And uh, so hopefully we'll have that done
1: sooner than later. Cool. Well, let's, let's back up to the start here. I know that my brother, uh, Brad, the drummer, is the most recent band member. Let's talk with uh, Mike here. Mike, tell us how the band got started and the different members that have been in it.
0: Uh, Mark and I were in a band a long time ago. (laughs) Was that in the 90s? And I had not seen him in a while. The band split up and I got married and had kids and stuff like that. And Mark, you know, had had a son and all kinds of stuff happened. We hadn't seen each other in probably about 10, 15 years. And then my brother ran into him, said, Hey, uh, should I pass your, your phone number off? And I, he actually got Mark's and I called him that night. Stuffed How many like years ago YouTube. was this? That was about what three years ago, I think. Okay. And I kind of said, Hey, Mark, why don't we like do some recording? And he said, "Yeah, um, there was a swear word in there, but I'm not going to say it because we're not supposed to swear." <laughs> so, but he he said, "Yeah, definitely, he wanted to do it." And then we we were going to just record a uh, uh, an album, and then whatever happened. And we we were pretty happy with the results, and we decided to keep going with the band. But in the meantime, um, there was a band called McTavish. We, we actually we were all in it except Brad at different times. Mark was in it and Mark knew Russ from being in there in that band and then so he brought Russ in on bass and we also had the drummer Terry uh, from McTavish on the recording but he's a truck driver so he couldn't do any live stuff so when we decided to start doing live stuff then we got we got old hold of Brad and uh, that's how
4: that happened so okay so nice.
2: with your music what kind of influences do you guys have press?
4: I think it's kind of like um uh, psychedelic uh Sid Barrett era Pink Floyd birds things like that, but at the with Mark and Mike's writing, it has uh, definitely a, a little inflection of the eighties in there, jangle like uh the birds did and uh,
1: when I first listened to the album, the first thing that came to mind was early period r e m
5: yes actually we've heard that comparison quite often, you know you're going to absorb and you're going to you're going to soak in your influences. You're going to soak in bands that you really respect. It's it's almost inevitable that uh, you're going to uh, bring those uh, those influences into your own songwriting.
0: And we yeah. do like R.E.M., so...
2: R.E.M.
4: Sure. E. sounds like us. <laughs> oh, there, you go. <laughs> there you go, Russ.
2: <laughs> I like the sound of that. <laughs> but,
1: uh, Brad was involved in the band scene back in the 80s as well. Uh, like the rest of you guys. He was in a band called the Modern Values, which is interesting because Modern Values and Mod Violets, they both, uh, MV is in both the titles. Some of the people in your original band, Brad, went on to do stuff down in Chicago. Who, uh, the guitar player, what's his name?
3: Dean Chobleski with uh, uh, Waco Brothers. Pretty good-sized band, and, and, uh, and uh, they're kind of like the Clash. Right, That type of music.
1: I know that a common friend of ours uh, found a book of the Milwaukee music scene throughout the history of the last 40 years, and your band got a mention in that.
3: Yeah, that was pretty interesting. You know, it was a nice little note, footnote for us. That's
1: yeah. cool. So. And uh, Mike, you guys were in the band scene back in the 80s as well, right? Yeah. And you know a uh, friend of the show, uh, Sean Snowpack.
0: Yeah, he's actually a... a... Pretty good friend of Mark's.
5: Yeah, we um, we stumbled into each other musically, and so actually that's how that's how we got brought that's how we brought Brad in because as Mike alluded to earlier, Terry was is a truck driver and he he really wasn't able to be available for gigs, and so I said uh, I got in touch with uh, Sean and I said, "Hey, do you know any good drummers?" He's like, "Yeah, I know really good drummer. His name is Brad." And so that's how Brad came into the band, was through Sean.
3: Yeah, me and Chris, we've been jamming for like probably a good 10, 15 years. We'd always have these like guest musicians and, and Sean started coming down. So we got to play and, and, uh, and then he told me about the Mod Violets and then see if it, it fit. It was pretty good from the get-go and I like the music and I agree. I think it's, it's kind of got a bird's feel to it. Actually, Beatles too. So it it worked out really well.
1: Russ, I know my brother Brad has had some different hearing issues, maybe related to music, maybe related to other things. Now, you guys are all musicians past the age of 50, we'll just say. Do you have any (laughs) issues? Do you have any issues with your hearing?
4: I don't. I've uh, always kind of taken pains like going to shows throughout my life of either wearing earplugs or getting standing way back and it's very rare that I've uh, exposed myself to uh, high volume. I don't like it when it's that loud.
1: Mm. Yep. yep. How about uh, Mike and Mark? Uh, Any hearing issues with you guys?
0: Uh, A little bit. I I try to wear the ear protection too but sometimes sometimes you don't. I mean I've had plenty of ringing ears. I know Brad has a Problem with one of his eardrums, I, I don't have anything like that, but but I have done some ear damage, yes.
5: <laughs> I've definitely lost some hearing. Um, I remember back in the loons when Mike and I were in that band and I would mock Mike for wearing earplugs. During rehearsal and on stage. Well, guess what? I'm not mocking him anymore.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
5: but I'm also I'm I've also been the kind of guy that really likes loud rock and roll. Whether whether I'm in a, a band setting or in my car or just listening to music at
2: home. But I've paid the price. Hmm. The big are big big Who fans then? Classically known for you know, the loudest concerts ever and all this so, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah.
4: I've I've seen the Who. And I've seen bands like in the 70s. The loudest concert I was ever at was the Rock Cats, a rockabilly band from England at the okay. Palms, louder than the Ramones, louder than every concert mm. I'd ever been to. I'll never forget it. It was just obnoxiously loud. Yeah. Yeah. It was just wow. a three-piece. <clears throat> it was good. Yeah. I will
5: say that uh, just within the past three years, I've gotten – Better at lip reading, and I'm not joking. I, I really have gotten much more adept at reading lips, but um yeah I, I I wish that when I was you know my youth, I wish that I had done what what Mike and Russ did in the way of uh, protecting their ears, but uh,
2: yeah, but you that's know that's it goes. when we're young, we never listen to old people, right <laughs> you know, like, like me. Either. Yeah,
5: <laughs> old people like me, <laughs>
2: <laughs> like us. I'm in that crowd too. You might not look like it. Okay, no good. Camera, but uh... <laughs> it's
5: good to know I'm not alone.
2: Yeah, yeah. Do you guys have any groupies that you know about? Do you guys like got <laughs> followers that come come to you see your shows all the time and that kind of thing?
4: I live with one.
2: Oh, okay. Well, that's good. That's good.
4: I married one.
2: <laughs> nice. Okay.
4: <laughs> there seems to be a um, a lot of fans that really enjoy us. Mm-hmm. for the uh short time that we've been playing live. We had a gig outside of our house, a pop-up gig, and it was like there was like a lot of people there and it was like, are they groupies? No, but they danced.
2: Yeah, there you go. Well that's this was important.
5: I don't particularly care for the term groupies. I really try to make a point of, of using the term fans.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
5: You know, we do we do have quite a few fans and we're very appreciative and very thankful for them. Um but I think I think Groupies are for for bands who were in their 20s who were making million dollars on every album, you know what I mean?
2: Yep.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're right, Mark. We don't have any of those people. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Brad, uh we talked about how you guys, you know, started playing back in your teens and early 20s and then do you get as big a charge out of playing in front of a live audience now as you did 30 years ago or, or when you were, you know, a teenager?
2: Yeah.
4: For oh, sure. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Yes. and mm-hmm. the, the energy is so great.
1: What about the idea of feeling relevant? Do you have to get past an ego issue where again you're not the classic 20-year-old up there playing?
3: No, not really. I think, you know, as long as the music is good, last year we played at Linnemans and both you guys were there. If you noticed there, there was some young people dancing and I think if, if uh, people dig a, digging what you play relevant then
5: you know i wish i wish people would not look at our age or look at our gray hair i mean look bb king he toured into his what 70s mid 70s and
0: uh yeah yeah
5: he's almost 80 fantastic renowned painters throughout history you know they've painted some of their best work in their you know 60s 70s and 80s so i think that should apply for music if you're still putting out high quality uh songs and your and, and and your your life performances are of a high quality then age should be irrelevant
4: yeah age are is, is irrelevant and it helps that we're really good looking anyway
1: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I've, I've watched the shows and Russ is kind of the style guy of the band always has very interesting outfits is that something that you uh, make sure that you do when you get up there
4: it is I think it's important
1: rock and roll is half attitude right and half music
4: it's part theater isn't it yeah Russ has always been a
5: great dresser uh, on stage for our gigs <laughs> and he's kind of opened my eyes to the uh, importance of that
1: yeah mark and mike do you write the songs
5: uh me and mike sometimes we've like for instance on our first album mike mm-hmm. wrote some songs by himself i wrote a couple songs by myself but the rest have been collaborations between
4: me and mike
1: and then russ uh the bass parts all your invention
4: they're all me and then uh, i i when I'm recording, Michael sometimes gives me an idea. On, like I'm thinking that it has some of this kind of feeling, and then I ignore it and just do whatever <laughs> I want to do. Not really. No, no. It, it's, it's, it's helpful. It's, it's a really good working relationship. I love it.
2: So I was watching uh, Saturday Night Live this week, and I don't even remember the name of this woman who was on the show. She was their musical guest, and I don't remember who it was. But she decided that it was going to be cool to uh, when she got done playing, takes her guitar, starts smashing it against the monitor. I was just curious if you guys uh, have ever decided to say adopt something like that where you're smashing stuff.
4: I've I've seen the Who do it and things Mm. like that on the Smothers Brothers. And I never really liked it. And it was just a discussion I was having with people. And I always say, I never liked when people smashed a guitar. And then somebody sent me a picture of Paul Simonon from The Flash Doing that classic pose from London Calling, and I was like, "Well, that's kind of cool."
2: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Mike. Yeah, of course.
1: I've heard uh, that a lot of those bands, the Who and whatnot, a lot of times they would smash their instruments at the very end of the show so that they could get out of there, right? Because if their instruments are smashed, the crowd would think, "Okay, we got to go home. They can't play anymore."
2: Hmm. Oh, really?
5: Yeah, I saw that uh, Saturday Night Live show also and i thought it was very contrived
2: yeah it was just funny to watch her because she's hitting this guitar guitar and it's not doing anything and then finally she just kind of gives up it's like she's you know tired and then she just kind of like drops it and kind of walks away and it was stupid
4: the only time i ever saw a man that i thought was doing destruction the right way as that was the plasmatics was, <laughs> wendy <laughs> williams wendy <laughs> williams i was there for that entire show and the aftermath top five show they saw a the guitar in half but it was just like a, a it was a prop it wasn't like a guitar they were using
5: okay she might have done that just because maybe her her album was slipping in the charts and she thought or her people her people thought well you know you got to Bring some attention to yourself. We'll get that album back up to number 10. So smash your guitar. I think something like that is so contrived and Mm such crap.
2: Yeah. Brad, you uh, are not really able to smash anything, even if you wanted to. I
3: I do break my drumsticks.
2: Do you ever toss them to the crowd as souvenirs?
3: I I do. I play with a lighter drumstick now. Back in my early days where my hearing was good, (laughs) uh, I'd play with these tree trunk drumsticks. I'd be going through drum heads.
2: Uh Uh-huh
3: couple weeks uh now i go with a longer stick and i get more action but it breaks it's kind of fun you know you can you know and in a way i do break stuff uh uh-huh. how, how many take some aggression out
2: how many sticks do you come loaded with at a show
3: like about 10 of them okay so okay sure. um, right, but so. yeah I, I probably break about three three or four a, a night
0: okay We practice at my house, and uh, I use Brad's broken drumsticks to start fires uh, at my fireplace. Big fires.
1: Let's see if I can stir up some controversy here before we wrap things up. We're almost done here. Oh, great. What percentage of your live show should be covers? A lot of people want to do uh, originals. A lot of people want to do covers. Russ, what percentage should be covers? What would you say? Zero. Zero. All right. Let's go to Mike. Mike.
0: I'd say zero or maybe one. Oh, we,
1: okay. okay, we don't right. we don't
0: do a lot of covers. We do one once in a while, but yeah.
1: We're not a, yeah. So you prefer to do all all originals?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't mind doing a cover once in a while, but yeah, okay. maybe one or two in a set.
1: Brad, what do you think? One, two, zero, three. What are you thinking? I'd say three,
3: and do like one your your own way, uh, like where, you see Bruce Springsteen or something like that, and he'd do a he do do like a Rolling Stones cover. And, okay. and I thought, oh, that's the best song of the show. How about you, Mark?
5: I'd say uh, one song per set, and I'll tell you why. If your originals are good enough, you don't need covers.
1: Okay. So you guys know you're hopefully going to get back to playing here in a month, in, uh, by the spring or the summer of 2021 what would be a big show for you guys? If you could play one venue down the road when everything's open for COVID, do you think you could play Summerfest, for example, you know, on a weekday in a smaller stage? you think something like that's possible?
4: It might be possible, but I have I have a rule that I won't play it before 7 o'clock at Summerfest.
1: Okay. Mike, is it a goal of yours to play at a big festival like Summerfest, regardless of the time of day?
0: I don't know if the opportunity came up. I... I would imagine we'd probably do it, but we're not, like, you know, we're not going to play a noon or something. I mean, it's just a waste of time, but.
1: Sure. Mark, what about you? Is there, is there a venue? Is there a, uh, a stage that you think you could play at, that would be a a goal of yours in the future?
5: I'm thinking more of uh, perhaps opening for a national act at the Pabst or, um, you know, opening for a national act at the, at the rave. Is it still called the rave?
2: Mm, it is. Yep.
5: Russ doesn't want to play there before seven. And I understand that. And Mike says it's, you know, pointless to play at noon. So my my mind shifts over to the opening for a national act at uh, one of our local uh, theaters like the Pabst or uh, the Rave.
1: Okay. Sure. Well, guys, we're going to wrap things up here tonight. We're going to end our podcast we're going to play a song as soon as we're done here. We're not sure which one it is. So we'll pick it up between now and broadcast day. But I want to thank you for stopping by.
2: Yeah, thanks a lot, fellas. We really appreciate it. Thanks you for having us. Yeah.
4: I enjoyed it. Thank, thank you. Guys. We really
5: appreciate it. Thank you yep. so much. Thank you very much.
2: Yeah, for sure. You know, hopefully this will be coming out about the time you guys are going to start playing out again, because it's going to be a couple months down the road. Might, might work out perfectly. That'd be awesome.
1: Well, thank you. And uh, good night. And like I said, we'll get this out here. And. And hope to see you guys live before too long. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. All right,
2: right thank you. Thanks again. Here's December by the Mod Violets. we Join us next time on the Bait and Switch Podcast when we talk with our guest and employee, Mike Sisko, and we open up the mailbag. We've got one here that was sent in by uh,
0: Snail Mail. Okay, uh, all right. This one, I'm not really sure I understand the question. Maybe you guys will. What is the voice-to-music volume ratio when overcasting the outro music at the initial point of entry versus the final exit point?
1: I'm going to let Jim take that one. Go ahead, Jim.